Welcome to Two Crazy Scoops Podcast with your hosts, A.O. and the Parrot Antino. This week, we're going to be delving into topics relating to birds, bird seeds, uh, treehouse or birdhouses, uh, barbed wires on tops of places where birds can make well, nests. you are really digging for this, huh? I am. <laughs> so since it's canon that antino died in the last episode between me and you um i guess it is now canon that a parrot has taken on the personality of antino after listening to hours of us converse it has uh made its voice almost identical the humor even better than its predecessor agreed <laughs> and uh I, and it's a, it's a lot cheaper to feed too. and a lot cheaper to feed <laughs> so can't get much better than that yeah so i did ask some people if they had any questions for the parrot i don't know if you wanted to start off with that um yeah that's it's fine. In any order, it works for me. Well, this old Antino sounds like a real dummy because the first one says, no question, just glad the change was made. Way overdue, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, do you view Hitchcock's The Birds as more of a comedy than suspense? It's funny you should ask that question. Because I didn't know that there was any suspense in that film, so. Well, for its time, it was suspenseful. As a for bird, as a bird, though, I see no suspense in the film. I see it as a, a good, charitable tale. Of course, of you triumph. Would. Of course, you would <laughs> over That's humanity. True. That's true. I find the ending quite disturbing, though. So I guess that is the. Uh, the worst part of it. It's ra- it's rated <laughs> NC-17 and bird standards because of all the carcasses <laughs> flopped on the ground. That is funny. Okay. The other one says, are some animals so smart that keeping them in a cage is cruel and unusual? I am of the opinion that it really depends on the size of the species because – if a species is struggling to fight for its life in the wild and it is, you know, for a while temporarily kept in a cage in order to help promote the, uh, you know, longevity of its species, I would uh, completely agree with that. Unless it's a cat, then yeah, you should you should definitely put it in a <laughs> tiny cage, the smallest of all cages. Yeah, there's a lot of listeners who are not going to appreciate that. I don't care. Cats are terrible. <laughs> should judge them with extreme prejudice. <laughs> nice. Those are the only questions for the parrot. I don't know if you had any, but. um, Other than what's the typical parrot's lifespan? No, not too many questions. I would have to say being a parrot, I'm extremely depressed. <laughs> Because my cage is lined with newspapers. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I take it you don't read much, huh? And I can read <laughs> the same <laughs> terrible stories over and over <laughs> and over again. 
Uh, that is funny. But, dude, I really do want a parrot now. This is reminding <laughs> me that I do want a parrot. So I don't know. I, I might have know. to invest. I might have to save up some money. Um, so for topics, this is kind of a random topic, but um, I was reading. So um, everyone who knows me know I used to work at Whole Foods and I don't work there anymore. But it's interesting because Amazon bought out Whole Foods uh, some years ago. I think it was 2017, I think, if I remember right. And uh, everyone kept thinking that, you know, robots were going to just randomly roll up to work (laughs) one day and to kick all the humans out and and take our jobs. And while, unfortunately, that didn't happen, (laughs) um, what's interesting is that they also, Amazon also started this concept called Amazon Go. I think it's called Amazon Go. And basically what it is, is it's like these small convenience stores where you scan your Amazon, um, like a QR code on your account. Like you scan it when you first go into the store, there's a bunch of cameras and sensors in the store. So you basically pick up, you know, take off the shelf what you want and you put it in your bag or whatever. And then you, when you're done shopping, you just leave and Amazon will automatically charge you for the products that you took. So it already knows like what you have by taking it. So it's a interesting technology. I've never been to any of these stores. They're kind of scattered around the country. I know that I think the first one was in Seattle, which is where Amazon's headquarters is at. Mm. Um, But um, anyway, news came out this week that they are actually going to be rolling out this technology technology to two whole food stores. Uh, One of them is in Washington, D.C., and the other one is in Sherman Oaks, California. Wow. Like a whole store, but like the entire store. Yeah. Ver- whereas, you know, with these Amazon go stores, they're tiny stores. They're kind of like seven, almost reminds you of like little seven elevens for lack of a better explanation. They're, so they're small. They just have sandwiches, prepacked stuff. They're not nothing too fancy. Right. But to outfit it with an entire grocery store, that's going to be interesting. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that, how that pans out. Um, but there are some videos on YouTube that kind of um, show it in action if anyone ever wants to see it, but it's kind of cool. Uh, I like the idea and the concept. I, I, I see a lot of issues and mistakes happening. <laughs> you don't um, say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But well, what do you the think? Techno- hmm? Well, what do you think is better than you think it's better to have a, sh- a store without any workers in it, just people who stock the stuff. Or do you think it's better to just have like, you just shop on your app and people bring it out to your car. What do you think is going to catch on more? Well, I think what people, well, curbside delivery is, has blown up, especially during the pandemic already. So I think that's, that's not going anywhere, but, um, you know, one of the most annoying thing, one of the most annoying experiences when you go shopping is the checkout process is waiting in line. Whereas if, yeah, you can just walk in, scan a code, take whatever you want off the shelf and then just walk, you know, and then just walk straight out the door, that would make shopping so much better. So I do think that there is some, um, I think that's a clever idea and the concept is good. My only concern is with no one checking to see what you took, you know, what if it accidentally charges you something for that you didn't take mm-hmm. and vice versa? What if you take something and it doesn't charge you, you know, cause both are problems, right? One is, in favor of the consumer 
but the other one is is uh, in in favor of the business, and you really don't want either one because the businesses don't want to lose money on just giving away stuff. So, uh, but it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, what happens. I'm just going to keep my eye on that. But I think that's a pretty cool technology. I like the idea. But um, how it's going to pan out uh, remains to be seen. I mean, if someone gets your credit card today and they run off and buy a bunch of stuff, that's one thing. But if someone gets your Amazon, (laughs) your Amazon barcode and walks into the store with it. Well, that would be kind of, I mean, that's possible. That would be kind of tough to do because you, you pull it up on your smartphone. Oh. So, uh, so unless someone else has access to your smartphone and they know your password for Amazon. So they would have to know both of those in order mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. They would have to know both. So yeah, if, you're, if your password, if your phone is unlocked and someone can get into your Amazon password, because so basically that's two passwords you would have to break into. But if, if someone could do that, then yes. And the, and the barcode changes every time. So it's not like it's a permanent barcode. It's one of those QR codes. So yeah. those up, update every so often. So, uh, yeah. so it would be difficult to steal that, but not impossible. Yeah, not impossible. But then again, if you think about it, if someone steals your, your credit card now, they can go anywhere and, and buy anything with it. So Yeah, that's true. So if or anything, they can just steal this, your, your number. Yeah, and still do shopping with this. So, you know. If anything, this is probably safer from that standpoint. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, it'd definitely feel weird walking in, but I think it'd feel a lot easier to purchase things if that were the case because you could just walk in and take it. Mm-hmm, and yeah. it's like you don't think about it. I mean, even using a credit card can be like that, but now it's even taking out the process of swiping a credit card. and Yeah. Because the idea for obviously for businesses is to make the purchasing process as easy and painless as possible. <laughs> so cash is the most painful way of paying, right? Mm-hmm. Credit cards is a little bit easier. And then using your phone or, or a smartwatch is even easier. And then just not doing anything <laughs> is the easiest. <laughs> so um, from their standpoint, yeah, that's uh, that's the best way to do it. I'll watch and sit and watch Jeff Bezos go to Mars as I eat a bag of chips that I just walked over to Whole Foods and took out and, of the store. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, like I said, I just thought it was an interesting story because we were talking about that when they first got bought out. And now to see that. Um, it's not even robots. <laughs> Well, yeah, but they said when they, I remember people were asking like, hey, what if they bring this technology to Whole Foods? That's going to get rid of all of our jobs. And I remember we talked about that. But at the time, Amazon said, no, don't worry about it. We're not going to bring introduce this technology to Whole Foods. This is only for our own experimental purposes. And so we, everyone was like, okay. Um, I forgot how they worded it. Or maybe they said, we have no plans. That's probably what they said. We have no plans to bring that technology to Whole Foods at this time. So all that means is we'll do it eventually, but not right now. So it's interesting. Yeah. I've never thought I'd see the day, but here we are. Yeah, right. But, uh, but yeah, so. Cashiers will be a dated reference. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, technically, they could already be replaced as it is with self-checkout, but. 
Self-checkout's this tricky thing, though. I worked with a guy, and he said that he stole a whole turkey one time by just putting stuff on top of it. No, you can st- of course you can steal. It, you know, that's that, but self-checkout is not really designed to prevent theft. It's there for convenience. But yeah, of course you can steal. So there's always going to be people who are going to try to cheat the system. I mean, that just goes without saying. Yeah. Interesting. Well, speaking of um, vegetables and food products, did you hear? I think this is old news by now. You may have missed it. Um, <laughs> Tony Hawk is teaming up. It says Tony Hawk's blood is being used in $500 limited edition skateboards. Oh, I did hear about that. Yeah. So I did hear about that. Me and Aaron are going to be taking vials of our blood (laughs) and smearing it onto (laughs) cassette tapes with the first episode of Two Crazy Scoops. That is (laughs) recorded onto it. And you can purchase it today for uh, $600. Oh, six hundred dollars. Wait, how many are we doing? Uh we're doing three hundred, so get ready to Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> you didn't tell me that. Okay. Well yeah. Okay. Why is it blood is uh, the new thing for I I don't know. I don't get it. I don't want to get it. No, you shouldn't get it because it's <laughs> disgusting. It's disgusting. So, yeah, him with that stupid bloody uh, skateboard, and then you had Lil Nas X with the with the the Satan shoes, as they called them, with the blood in the shoes. I'm like, who thought of this? Who thought that that was a good idea? Somebody's put- out there, and their like, marketing team is like, you know what will really get people on board with this? No. Yeah. Blood. Well, yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, Considering the world we live in, I'm not surprised that that's happening, but it it's disturbing, <laughs> to say the least. Well, well, we know what we can market stuff with now. Speaking of blood, I have a video I want you to get your reaction on. Okay. So you said you never saw the exploding whale. Apparently, it's nine months ago was the 50th anniversary of this video being filmed. Uh, it's an infamous beached whale incident that took place in Florence, Oregon on November 12th, 1970. The Oregon Historical Society arranged for a 4K transfer of the original raw film footage from their archive. Okay, so how should we do this? Am I... You like- can... Play it on your computer, and it'll the audio is good enough to where you don't really need to see the video, because the guy describes exactly what's going on. Okay, so play it on the computer or uh, Zoom share share your screen or something. And while Aaron is queuing that up, um, I I can't think of a joke. I thought I had a joke, and I didn't have a joke. <laughs> um, hmm. There was... Uh, oh, and you can't hear that, I guess. No, I can't. Okay. So... The invisible so man shit. goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, I'll see him now. And there's some joke in there about him not actually being able to see the invisible man, and yet still seeing him. 
Okay. There you go. The Exploding Whale. You haven't seen this? It had to be said that the Oregon so. State Highway Division not only had a whale of a problem on its hands, it had a stinking whale of a problem. What to do with one 45-foot, 8-ton whale dead on arrival on the beach near Florence? It had been so long since a whale had washed up in Lane County, nobody could remember how to get rid of one. In selecting its battle plan, the highway division decided the carcass couldn't be buried because okay. it might soon be uncovered. Can you pause it real quick? It couldn't be cut up and then buried because nobody wanted to cut it up, and it couldn't be burned. <laughs> what would you do to get rid of a whale that size? I wouldn't do anything. I would let nature take its course and let it decay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do anything. <laughs> well, you're going to love what solution they come up with. Are they going to cut it? My guess is they're going to try to cut it into pieces because I've seen videos of people trying to chop these things up. Mm-hmm. And then I did see one video where they they stabbed the um, they stabbed it and it exploded. And it was like, because it's like, well, yeah, because uh, the gas inside was, you know, building up because it was decaying. And then it, and whale chunks were like flying everywhere. Ugh. So I don't know what's going to happen in this video, but I, I've seen different things like them trying to cut it up. I've seen them try to lift it with a forklift. <laughs> I've seen all types of trash. So which one this one is, I don't know. And maybe I've never seen this one. I don't know. But yeah. Okay. I've definitely seen some mess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, am I playing? Yeah. Okay. So dynamite it was. Oh, God, dynamite. <laughs> ton of it. The hope was that the long-dead Pacific gray whale would be almost disintegrated by the blast and that any small pieces still around after the explosion would be taken care of by seagulls and other scavengers. Indeed, the seagulls had been standing nearby all day. As everything was being made ready, we asked George Thornton, the highway engineer in charge of the project. Okay, hold up. I already know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? They're going to dynamite this whale, and chunks are going to be flying <laughs> all over the place. I bet, like, a big chunk is going to land on someone's car somewhere, <laughs> like, uh, two miles away. But anyway. For his final observation. Well, I'm confident that it'll work. The only thing is they could disintegrate this thing so the scavengers, seagulls, and crabs and whatnot can clean it up. Is there any chance it might be more than a one-day job? Uh, if there's any large chunks left, and uh, we may have to do some other cleanup, possibly set another charge. The dynamite was buried primarily on the leeward side of the big mammal, so as most of the remains would be blown toward the sea. About 75 bystanders, most of them residents who had first found the whale to be an object of curiosity before they tired <laughs> of its smell, were moved back a quarter of a mile away. The sand dunes there were covered with spectators. And oh, they are going to get it. <laughs> land blubber newsmen for the blast blasted blubber beyond all believable bounds. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. This is not going to be good. Two, one. Our camera stopped rolling immediately after the blast. The humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival as huge <laughs> chunks of whale blubber fell everywhere. Pieces of meat passed high over our heads while others were falling at our feet. 
The dunes were rapidly evacuated as spectators escaped both the falling debris and the overwhelming smell. A parked car over a quarter of a mile from the blast site was the target of one large Yeah. The passenger compartment literally smashed. Fortunately, no human was hit as badly as the car. However, everyone on the scene was covered with small particles of dead whale. <laughs> as for the success of the effort, well, the seagulls who were supposed to clean things up were nowhere in sight, either scared away by the explosion or kept away by the smell. That didn't really matter. The remaining chunks were of such a size that no respectable seagull would attempt to tackle anyone. When darkness began to set in, the highway crews were back on the beach burying the remains, including a large piece of the carcass which never left the blast site. It might be concluded that should a whale ever wash ashore in Lane County again, those in charge will not only remember what to do, they'll certainly remember what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is funny. Yep. Exploding oh, by, whale beat. By the way, I don't know if you ever watched Hood Nature before, but his videos are hilarious if you ever want to watch one. We'll have to screen it before we do it for a podcast. But the, <laughs> his his his, his uh, videos are hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, so that does not surprise me. Um, and I think I have seen that because I remember the um I remember the blubber hitting the car. That's what I remember. Where do people get I, dynamite like that anyways? I this is nineteen seventy apparently, so <laughs> um, you just buy it at your local convenience store? Yeah. Like, that like was, a polar pop and a big old thing yeah. TNT. Yeah, I love what, I love the way his uh, the way he narrates it, like his voice. He's like, not only will we know what to do, but we'll know what not to do. <laughs> Did you see that giant piece that hit the car? Somebody could have got killed. Yeah, if that landed on a person, someone would have died. Yeah, everyone was happy when it blew up, and then it just they could stop. Yeah, the everyone video. was like, "Woo!" And then <laughs> they were recording for a few minutes, and then they stopped when they realized that chunks of that is disgusting. Uh-huh. Well, chunks landing. Oh. Yeah, no. But again, not surprising considering what year that happened. So, yeah. Well, if you ever have an issue with anything, just use dynamite. That'll get rid of it real quick. No, that's just wrong. So, in uh, other interesting um, instrument news, I found a new instrument to show you, Aaron. Okay. Have you ever heard of hey. Oh what? I just I just saw the notes pop up on my iPad now. Oh cool. Okay, sorry. We've been having technical issues. I'm just yeah, gonna let technical everyone issues. Know. Yeah. Tech but is terrible. No. no, but it looks like it's working now because it just popped up to the top of my list. So So I have a link in there. Do you know what an omnicord is? No. So if you click on that link, you'll see what an omnicord is. And maybe you could actually share your screen too on this one because uh, it's a very interesting instrument. It's kind of electronic. It's very soothing, but listening to it is interesting. I don't know what they did to come up with this instrument, but it is pretty interesting. It's not as cool as the barcode scanners. I don't think I can ever top that one. First off, I don't even know. Like, I think YouTube knows, so they'll just send me like the most random instruments ever. Like, they've ever seen people play a saw blade with a violin bow? Okay, give me a second. All right, can you see? Yeah, sorry, I'm trying to get these 
flies running around here. Okay, so you can skip the first part. I don't know what he's doing here. There you go, that thing. That's what an Omnicord is. Interesting. So I went to a concert one time, and... uh, Wait, should I... Huh? Should I pause this or should I let just continue playing? Oh, you can pause it. That was pretty much it. That's just what it looks like. Oh, uh, okay. Is this something no, you'd no. be interested in purchasing? N- no, I wouldn't know what to do with that. <laughs> but I'm sure someone who actually has talent <laughs> would appreciate it. So I, I mean, went, it's, in- it's interesting. Yeah, I went to go see a band called Guards one time. Mm-hmm. Actually, they were opening for another band I was going to go see. But there was everyone playing instruments and there was this lady just sitting on a chair playing that thing. And it doesn't look as cool as you may think it would in a live performance. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, is she even doing anything? She just looks... Because you couldn't really even hear it. And it wasn't until I've listened to their records over that you can slightly hear the Omnicord in the background. Interesting. But I think that band broke up because now on Spotify, it's just the one dude. It's I think he got rid of the rest of his bandmates. You don't really need him with that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he it got plays... rid of her, too. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, well, interesting. <laughs> huh, yeah, I've never, I've never seen that before. So have you thought, have you ever, have you just, um, do you think you would ever get one of those? I feel like you would go to like a thrift shop and run into it because people wouldn't really know what it was or what its capabilities were, and you could mm-hmm. probably get it for cheap. But it does look like a cheap toy, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Do you know what an auto harp is? Mm-mm. It's kind of like a small harp that, Maybe like folk players sing. It's kind of like an electronic version of that for our listeners. Interesting. I've never seen anybody play one live before, though. I believe it's called an auto harp. I hope it is. Yeah, it is. Or a zither. <laughs> That's what it's. Yeah, I, I see the I see the auto harp. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that before either. Yeah, so like now, folk singers really use it. Okay. Yeah, no, I've never seen that. Um, what's funny when the harp, the auto harp. Well, when you mentioned that, it reminded me of. Uh, oh, how do I shut up? Uh, okay, I'll just say it this way. Um, I was at an, a special event, <laughs> and someone there was playing the harp, like a real harp. And I mean, I'm talking about the giant ones that you have to sit down next to, and those. Um, and let's just say they messed up a couple of times but when you mess up on a harp it sounds horrible oh really like when you play it nice like when you play it the way it's supposed to be played it sounds like amazing it was like the most amazing sound and when she first started playing it at this uh event it was very nice but there was a couple of times when she would hit the wrong string and it would be like ding, and it would just like (laughs) keep like echoing throughout the whole place oh no and she tried to keep going, or keep going rather, but then she would mess up again and be like, "Bing!" And it's just like this, it's like this off-pitch squeal that just vibrates. It was so funny. I, I was trying not to laugh, but um, I couldn't help it. But it was, yeah, it was one of those events that events where you shouldn't be laughing, but Aaron was. <laughs> but of course, I was. But like, but like I said, when she played, when she didn't, like when she was not messing up, I promise you, it was the most uh, beautiful thing you can hear. Like, it was amazing. Yeah. So, 
Too bad people don't really play the harp anymore. No, it's a huge instrument. It's a little hard to carry around. I've only seen the harp <laughs> in person once, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was my friend's older sister-in-law's harp. And, like, I was a kid, so they wouldn't let me even get near it. But don't they still have, like, the small handheld harps that, you know, like, Cupid carries around? <laughs> Cupid. You know? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's what we're basing this off of. Cupid. <laughs> I don't think there's handheld harps. I think that's what the auto harp is. Oh, that is, so that is what it is. Well, it looks that's what it looks like to me, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, the only, like, song I can think of that I listen to that uses it is there's this song called by the Smiths called I Won't Share You, and mm-hmm. they use an auto harp. You can tell pretty clearly because it's so um, – it just sounds different. Mm-hmm. I'm going to type in small harp. And it's yeah, they do have small harps, I guess. You are correct. I guess. But the thing is though, they sound really, really nice. Um well yeah, I, I see one where there's like a lady holding it on her lap. Mm-hmm. And some small ones. They sound like I said, if you know what you're doing, they sound really nice. And it's one of those sounds that you don't hear too much of, at least not in like um well you you wouldn't hear it in like modern pop music uh you know uh that's not something you that's not an instrument you hear too much of well that sweeping sound usually you'll hear it Mm -hmm. like with them going you'll hear that in songs but you don't hear like specific notes being played but even then that's probably i'm pretty sure that's done electronically it's not like a real harp in the studio being recorded yeah It's, it's probably just a sound effect that they're using but to hear it live, like on a real harp, I, I don't know. It just doesn't. It's an underrated instrument. I'll put it that way. I think it's just a pain to carry around. It is. Yeah, I know. I agree. I completely agree with that. Like and that's I, why you. If I had a harp, you'd know I have a harp because it's just there in your house. Right. <laughs> it's, it would take up most of your house. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I completely agree with that. But I'm just saying it's an underrated. I think it's an underrated instrument. And if if it was uh, more common, I guess the most common is like more more so what people carry around is a guitar. Oh, or, yeah. Or a ukulele, maybe. But ukulele is a cop out. If you're a dude Why? and you play ukulele, like, get a life. That's my opinion. You don't have to agree oh. with my opinion. <laughs> well, I was just going to show you because I had just got picked up a ukulele. <laughs> picked up right a ukulele. <laughs> it's like for guys who want to play sappy songs but don't want to take the time to learn to play guitar. But isn't it really common in certain cultures? Like, what about Hawaiians, for example? Don't they play the ukulele a part of your culture, I accept it. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Because I am Hawaiian. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stop making so many Hawaiian jokes around you (laughs) since I have a plethora of them. Exactly. I'd appreciate it. Oh, man. That's funny. So speaking of music, as we love to do, we had a request for us to name our top five songs that we couldn't live without. And unfortunately... I like to look at music like colors. There's such a broad spectrum. And all the colors, sometimes, well, some of the colors mix to create other colors. 
So if you choose to take one color out, you may be missing another full spectrum of colors. Like you can't make green without uh, blue and yellow, right? So if yellow didn't exist, you'd never see green. Is this making sense or? It makes absolute sense. Yes. Okay. I forget where I'm going. I really like painting. I think that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no. Um, music. I just think mm-hmm. I can't. I can't ever say I like this more than that or this without that because sometimes the things like blues music. You ever listen to the old blues? Hmm. Well, do I listen to it? No. Yeah. Have Have I listened to it? Yes. Like Muddy Waters or Yeah. Um, uh, BB King. Older than that. Bobby Blue Blend. Older than that. No, I don't go older than that. That's old enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even like that that much. I think it's Elizabeth Cotton was one I've been listening to. I do like that, but I have these. Well, what decade is that from? Uh, let me see. Let me see. I'm going to look this up. I can't. I have the uh, Spanish keyboard on my phone, so I keep to putting the enies where they're not supposed to be. Uh, well, this is 1979, but she was a lot older than that. Yeah, because B.B. King was way before that. When was B.B. King around? Because uh, he well, just died see. not too long ago, so it couldn't have been that old. Yeah, but he was like 90-something when he died. Oh, really? Yeah. He was born in 1925. Elizabeth Cotton was born in 1893 and died in 1987. So she was almost 100. Yeah. Uh, well, let me see. So BB King, let me just look at and see when he put out his his first album. BB King put out his first album in nineteen. Looks like it was nineteen forty nine. Uh, let me see. Oh, I'm sorry. Nope. His first studio album wasn't... So he started playing in the 40s. Um, but his first studio album was 1957. Oh, okay. Well, hers is 1958. So I guess you're right. So they were contemporaries. Contemporaries, yeah. Well, she was older than him, obviously. Maybe she didn't have the opportunity to record music. Yeah, because I mean, if she was, uh, she was born in eighteen ninety three. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh, it says Cotton retired from playing the guitar for twenty five years. She did not begin performing publicly and recording until she was in her sixties. Oh, okay. So yeah, that would explain it. But there's like a lot of old old blues that I'm not really a big fan of, and I'm sorry if I'm going on a tangent. But without those artists, you couldn't have artists like. The White Stripes or Led Zeppelin or, you know, uh, a lot of these rock and roll bands because they took a lot of that uh, yeah, inspiration they were, from them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, again, I when I think of those, that type of blues, I think of about my grandparents' music because mm-hmm. that's what they used to listen to, the blues uh, on both sides, so... You play any blues from that time period and they love it. And like I said, I heard it growing up 
And I like the few songs like BB uh, King. I think one of his biggest songs is called "The Thrill Is Gone." Oh yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, that was a good song, and he had a few others that I liked. But I would, it's not my go-to. You it's know, definitely it's, not my go-to, but I do like that song. And I mean, I, I have been to BB King's in New York before too, which is a nice place to, to see some uh, live music. Hmm. Um, but as far as blues in and of itself, hmm. Lead Belly, that's who I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. It's really like just old crackly recordings because they were like, I think they had records of it and then they digital they digitized those records. So the imperfections and the grooves and things like that are still heard. Oh, interesting. Okay. To go on another tangent, though, that song "The Thrill Is Gone" was actually a turning point in music history because they added viol- uh, orchestra section, a string section to the guitar mm-hmm. blues music. So, oh, interesting. This and is... that was night. That was nineteen seventy. Okay. So that's all to say that you can't have some music without other music. I don't think you can even have hip hop without a lot of the. Or was it just like rap where they sample a lot of music? Like they base whole songs off of a sample of a of another popular song that was really old. Yeah. Yeah. Hip hop was definitely, especially early hip hop was, um, I mean, in the 90s, everybody sampled in the 90s. But you had samples before that, too, in the 80s. Um, yeah. Definitely. So I can't say that I like one song over the other, but if I had my top five songs, I already chose those, but I want to hear yours first, Aaron. What are your top oh. five songs that you can't okay. live without? Okay. So um, before I give my answer, I just want to say real quickly that I feel the same way about music. I don't have a, you know, most of my playlists on Spotify have at least bare minimum 50 songs i listen to so many different types of music um and i mean i love stuff from the 60s like all the motown stuff i love 70s and the disco i love 80s music i love 90s music especially r&b and then over the you know over the years i've grown to love spanish and portuguese music and French and some, there's so many different types of music that I listen to. So this was a really tough question. So what I did was in order to answer this question, I simply took one of my playlists on Spotify called feel goods. And it's basically just a bunch of songs that put me in a good mood. And I chose my favorite songs from that playlist um, because that's the only way I could have narrowed it down. There's no way I can narrow down like, you know, five songs I can't live without. So these songs are relatively modern songs. They're none of them are old. They all are um, 2000. I think the oldest song on this playlist is probably 2010. So these are oh, wow. my, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I just, I kept it recent. So my top five from the last 10 years is uh, number one. And this is in no particular order. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no particular orders, just five songs. So number one is Ride uh, by 21 Pilots. Number two, Talk by Khalid. Number three, End of Time by Beyonce. Number four, Lose Lose Yourself to Dance, Daft Punk. And number five, Death of a Bachelor, Panic at the Disco. 
Huh. Panic at the Disco. I was just thinking about them the other day. Yeah. What a terrible band. <laughs> <laughs> but the lead singer has one of the best voices in pop music, in my opinion. Mm. Best male vocals in pop music. The guy can really sing. His name is Brendan Urie. I'm and not... He, oh, he can... He, yeah. can, he can really sing. Like, he has an amazing voice. I'm literally not kidding when I say this, but last night I was sitting listening to like music that I was that was playing when I was in middle school mm-hmm. and I just felt how sad I was because I had Panic at the Disco as my bands that I had to listen to constantly and I hated oh. it. Oh. But dude, if you ever get a chance, check out some of his live performances. His vocals are crazy. Okay. Like vocally he is amazing in my opinion. He did Bohemian Rhapsody and he killed it. You well, know, Kanye he gave Bohemian Rhapsody too, so I'm not too impressed. Who did it? Kanye. Yeah, but just because you do it, don't mean you do a good job. <laughs> I haven't heard a lot of people do that song justice, but he was definitely one of them. He definitely gave Freddie Mercury a run for his money. Hmm. So the original want... is still the best, obviously, but I'm just saying. Do you want to expand a little bit about the songs you chose and why? What What is it about it that you enjoy? So, like I said, this list of songs that I chose were taken because the songs just put me in a good mood. It's not really that deep. Uh, So the 21 Pilots song, I mean, it sounds really good when you're in your car, you're cruising. It kind of has like a slightly tropical beat in like for the first verse. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you know the song, it kind of has like that island tropical sound. But then the second verse, it speeds up and then he's like rapping really fast in the second verse and it completely changes up the song. Wait, hold up. Oh, I'm sorry. Scratch that. I'm sorry. Forget that um, that explanation I just gave because I was confusing it with another 21 Pilots song. <laughs> they have another song called Lane Boy, and that's what I was thinking about. But oh. no, Ride is different. Ride is, um, I don't know. It's just catchy. It's really catchy. I really like it. And it's a good cruising song. So um, talk. I mean, the beat to that song is amazing. That's... Uh, that song was produced by uh, Disclosure. Um, and um, I don't know. It's something about the combination of the beat and just the way that song just knocks, especially when you have your bass up loud. It just, I don't know. It's just one of those songs that I will never get tired of. So uh, End of Time, um, when that album came out, that was Beyonce's four album. That was the best song. That was my favorite song on that album when it first came out. I mean, I've grown to like the other ones, but that was the catchiest. Um, That song was inspired by another artist named Fella. And he did, I mean, you have to look it up and research it, but he, um, a lot of his music revolved around a lot of African sounds Mm -hmm. and African drums and things like that in his music. And so that song inspired her when she was working on that. And I'm also a a huge fan of his as well. Um, And Again, you just have to listen to some of his music if you want to look it up. But it's it has like a it's like an old African drum beat mixed in with a lot of soulful horn, uh, horns, like soulful. If you can mix, if you can imagine that combination. So, well, I think that's what makes songs good is when you can't really describe what you're listening to sometimes because. Yeah, that's the best way I can think of it. Just think of the horns from like the like that was in a lot of seventies music and add some African beats to it, and that's and you get fella. So, 
Um, that's why I like him. And then I like the fact that she was trying to um, do a song that kind of had elements of his music. So when you listen to that song, End of Time, you'll hear the horns, you'll hear the beats. Um, it's a really catchy song. So I like it. And then I like the lyrics, too. The lyrics are really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Lose Yourself to Dance, Daft Punk. That was a song that was produced by Pharrell. And um, now Rogers from um, now Rogers also uh, produced on that song too, who was from this band called Chic, which was from the <laughs> from the seventies. You know, and again, if unless you knew seventies music, you probably don't know who that is because we're talking to a younger audience probably. But he was also in that song as well, and so um, I love Daft Punk. And then that song is a throwback to like the seventies. It kind of has like a seventies type sound to it, but then Daft Punk kind of throws their production in on top of it. And it just has a nice beat to it. Um, And then Pharrell is actually singing on that song and his voice just blends in perfectly with it. So that's why I like that song. And then death of a bachelor panic of the disco. um, That act, the song actually has an old hip hop sample. And I can't think of who I can't remember off the top of my head who the sample was. Oh, it was from a song by a rapper named Cameron. Um, and so he sampled that song, but he sings the song. So you imagine like a, a kind of somewhat old school hip hop beat, but then you have like some, the the lead singer of Panning of the Disco. He's singing like Frank Sinatra over this beat. And so you have a blend of hip hop and Frank Sinatra, if you can put, if you can imagine <laughs> that. And so you blend those two together and you get Death of a Bachelor. So again, if you haven't heard the song, you should listen to it. And if you hear it, you'll instantly know what I'm talking about. Mm. So hip hop meets Sinatra and, and I love them both. So this song is, uh, is, you know, that's why it's one of my favorites. Interesting. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I, Sorry to go all nerd into the background. I didn't know you wanted to know the background of the songs. Yeah, I, I do because I think, that both me and you are similar in that we like to listen to the music we like to because we're interested in the sounds or the production or who does this or that. And yeah, now I have a question for you. You said that Daft Punk that Pharrell produced and so another guy produced. Do you know what the difference is between that? Because I don't like if I'm an artist and I'm mm-hmm. Daft Punk, I should mm-hmm. be playing music, right? Right. So what does it mean when someone produces me? Uh, it depends on what you're talking about. But like, for example, if you do like the music and the beat and stuff, mm-hmm. um, then you can be claimed as the producer of the song because you did the music, you did the beats. Oh, so um, I could just collaborate with you and be like, hey, Aaron, can you make a beat for me and then put it on my album under my artist name? Yeah. So like, for example, if I said, hey, Antonio, I'm, I'm doing this song. I need a beat for it. You know, these are I, I got some lyrics. But I need a beat that's going to match the lyric. Then you send me the beat, and then you would be credited. If I use your beat, you would be credited as the producer. So that's one way of doing it. But then you'd also get a songwriting credit because you helped write the song as well because you wrote the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I might send the song back to you, and you might listen to it and say, you know what, let me um, – let me change a few little minor, you know, let me add a, you know, a, a, you know, a hi-hat here. Let me, you know, bring the bass up a little bit here. You might go back and kind of tweak it because now that you're hearing my lyrics with it, you're like, okay, let me adjust it. So you're, you know, that's part of like production. So you're producing the song as well. So what were you going to say before? 
No, I said I feel bad because I went a little too deep with these song choices. I had. Well, a, why do you? You huh? shouldn't. Why you shouldn't feel bad? These are the five songs I can't live without, though, Aaron. I don't. Oh, okay. You. I got yeah, my well, I, musical shovel out. Yeah. Well. And I started digging to China. I can't do that though. Like I said, because my music, for me, music changes so often. Sometimes I'm loving one song, but at a different time in my life. I like these songs. So music changes. So. There's not songs that like stick with you throughout time. I mean, but we've discussed like we've had that discussion before on the podcast where we discussed our favorite songs of all time. I think we have discussed that before. Really? Yeah. Oh. So I think I talked about it then because remember I talked about how like, for example, one of mine was Three Little Birds, Bob Marley. Oh, yeah. Remember We've talked about that. Yeah. So we've we've already talked about our favorite songs. So I was trying to bring something different to the table. So those are my current favorite songs. Those are my songs of the moment right now for okay. me. Yeah. Well, these are five songs in no particular order that I enjoy. One of them is Sleepwalk by Santo and Johnny. I always like that song. Have you ever heard it? No. I'm pretty sure I probably haven't heard any of the songs in your top five. I think you've heard it. It's like the slide guitar one. Okay, well, I'll have to listen later. Okay. The other one is Any Color You Like with the U in it. Okay. But it's the live version. Let me see. By who? Uh, Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. So trying to find my favorite Pink Floyd song is a chore in itself. But to even put one in my top five, I chose this one. It's live at the Empire Pool in Wembley, Wembley in uh, London. In 1974, there we go, the title finished (laughs) loading. The reason why I like this song is because if you are going to ever listen to Pink Floyd, this is a really good showcase of all four members uh, playing their instruments in a very in-tune, in-sync, awesome, like, you can't hear this on a recording because a lot of times they would record separately. And when you hear a live version of them playing together, it's like the peak of Pink Floyd, of what I would assume to be the peak. Because after that, you had like Wish You Were Here, which was another good album. But it, I mean, I guess those live recordings are good too. I just think this is my favorite live recording that also happens to sound really awesome. And so that was that one. I have uh, Changes. By David Bowie. But it's a live version as well. I just like his voice in the song. And the song is all about futility of life. And all that fun stuff. Um, (laughs) There's The Suburbs Continued. Which is the ending to the Arcade Fire album. The Suburbs. I really like how the. uh, Whatever. uh, Keyboards that they play. Sounds like an orchestra. But it's pretty cool. And my last one, I was having a hard time with this one, but I do think it's Time by Pink Floyd. Not the live version, just the one on Dark Side of the Moon. Time? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's awesome. Again, futility of life, all that fun stuff. Nice. All right. So, yeah, that's my top five. And I don't think I've talked about those songs on this podcast before. Is there a band that you follow that you like can listen to every single one of their albums? 
No. Really? Mm-hmm. Why is that? You mean, wait, you mean like listen to every one of the albums as in every song on all of their albums? Um, I don't know. Is there like an artist where if they have a new album, you're going to go check it out no matter what? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Because Pink Floyd's like that with me. Like, I'll listen to every single one of their albums. Unfortunately, the stuff they've been uh, promoting recently is one of their worst albums called A Momentary Lapse of Reason, which I think is complete and total garbage because it's taken out one of the members of the band that I enjoyed his contributions to the music primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what they're like. We just, they re-edited a remaster of the song. How does that make sense? Um, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, that's a good question, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's an artist where, there's some, I mean, there's a lot of artists that I like, but what's funny is that, like, um, I don't know, things have just changed. I just, sometimes artists that I liked when I was a kid or when I was younger, sometimes they'll put out music now and sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. So mm. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Um, now, this is, this is, kind of on a random note though this is not exactly a direct answer to your question but there is an artist who i used to like a lot that that their music was not available on streaming services until just recently and they're releasing her music on streaming services now uh, and pulling it all off of youtube and that's Aaliyah. so her albums i love all of her albums and now that they're coming back to streaming platforms i can listen to them again uh, whereas before I would have to go try to find it on YouTube. But Aaliyah was one of those artists who every album she put out before she died was was gold. I can't listen to her first one, give her, with an exception of maybe one song from her first one. And that was because it was produced by R. Kelly. And just hearing his name now just makes me cringe. So I can't listen to her first album, which I don't know if you are familiar with that whole ordeal or not. No. Well, did okay. he, like, produce it and she was underage? Yes. Oh, there you That's go. Ex- I got it That's right it. on the money. Guess what the name of the album was called? I don't know. <laughs> Her first album was called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. There you go. And what's funny is when that song was popular, we used to listen to it and we loved it. We thought it was a pretty cool song, but we had no idea that he wrote the song oh, <laughs> and produced it and produced the whole album. So. Now, with all the scandal and stuff coming out about him, it just makes me go back and look at that in complete disgust. But her second album, when she broke away from him and started working with, she was the first artist to, mainstream artist to work with Timbaland and Missy and brought their production, like, to the forefront. So that One in a Million album just uh, showed up on Spotify. And then her next album just showed up on Spotify today, which is the last one she made before she died. And then she had like a greatest hits after that. But um, so she only put out what three albums, but you know, all of them got quality music on it. So, yeah, that's what's interesting when you like an artist a lot and they only have like one or two or three albums. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, 
they have such a bit like Nirvana has such a big presence, but I think they only had three albums, right? Uh, probably. Yeah. That would be my guess. Let me see. I see. Yeah. Because, because when one of the members dies, that just messes everything up, you know? So, um, but yeah, she was a classic. Oh, you know who, okay. Another artist is, um, that I loved every album that they've put out was, uh, Sade. She's another one. She could put anything out and I would probably buy it. <laughs> it's just, I always think it's funny because like people say they like Nirvana, but if you've ever listened to any of their albums, they're pretty much all terrible except for a couple songs that made it on the radio. But yeah, well, I never, I just, I was the, I was one of those people who um, liked the radio stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like a, I like classic artists. Um, Sade was very classy, um, and throughout her entire career, or technically as a band, but throughout the band's entire career, they always put out quality music. So, oh, speaking of old bands, did you hear that ABBA came out is coming out with a new album? Their first album in forty years. Yes. Yeah, I thought I did think it was very interesting that they are still writing to their audiences. So when they were younger, they, you know, the first song, did you read what the titles were for the songs? No. So the first one uh, on their, what is it, an EP? No, an LP. No, an EP. I don't know. The short one. Mm-hmm, the EP. Yeah, so the first one is called I Still Have Faith in You. And the second song is called Don't Put Me in a Nursing Home. <laughs> I seriously doubt that. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard the songs, but I did read about them coming out with another album. So it will be interesting to hear those songs. But it's called yeah. Don't Shut Me Down. I just, man, I can't help it. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I know they, <laughs> they did not write that. Imagine if it was, though. Yeah. It's like, we're keeping with the audience, guys. We grew with you. But the members of uh, they have to be what in their sixties at least, right? If yeah. not older. Uh, uh, what's the band members? Yeah, they would have to be in their sixties or maybe late fifties. Uh, no, they got to be sixties, maybe even seventies. Okay, so this Agnes—I don't know. This is all in Swedish, so but she's seventy-one years old. Okay. The other okay. vocal lady is 75 years old. Okay. The one dude is 76. Okay. And the other dude is 74. Okay, so they're in their 70s. Okay. Man, that I can't imagine. Because yeah, I was thinking, like, they have to be at least in... Well, I was saying 60s at least because, you know, if they were in their 20s when they first released their first album, then that would put them in their 60s but they probably were a little older than 20 obviously now probably yeah yeah that's funny um yeah that's crazy <laughs> i'm surprised they even bothered i, thought, I know because they, re- <laughs> they can retire off their catalog and be fine with it maybe they can maybe, maybe they spent all their money and abba just went out of style disco died no, no. I'm sure they can collect publishing from samples and from 
people use like every time you you use a, a song in a com- yeah anytime you use music in a film in a movie in a musical on a commercial the artists get paid for that assuming that they wrote the songs but i think they did write their own stuff i'm just so, sad i got roped into watching mama mia one time there you go the word they got paid for that so <laughs> yeah they should have just I, just let it the movie ended and I was like, I do not like Abba anymore after watching that <laughs> film. <laughs> I never saw it. Don't. But I, remember, but I remember the commercials and everything. And to be fair, I don't I mean, their music is fine with me. I never had a problem with it. It's not my go-to by any means, but if I hear a song, any of their songs playing, I'm not going to be like, turn the channel, you know, or turn the station, you know. It's, I used to feel so weird walking into Michael's to buy painting Mm -hmm. supplies because for some reason Mm -hmm. I thought it was girly. Mm -hmm. And my first venture out into Michael's when I was 17 years old, I drove myself there. I was going to buy a big old canvas half off. And the song that's playing over the speakers is uh, Dancing Queen. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, classic. I feel like such a girly girl in this girly (laughs) store. But Michael's got a lot of good stuff, though. Well, this was 17-year-old me. I had a very different perception of the world as I do now than I do now. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong. I never felt anything weird with Michaels. Now, Joanna's fabric, now that <laughs> makes you feel girly. <laughs> Wait, is there a Joanne's fabric out yeah, there? Yeah, or there was. Okay, yeah, that, that'll make you feel girly. I had to go there one time and, uh, yeah. Well, I don't mind now. Just when I was younger, I don't know what was going through my head, but I was, like, breathing. My hands were sweaty. Mm-hmm. Mom spaghetti. <laughs> if you had no, I got a- one chance, <laughs> that's I what know, I'm right? playing in my head as I'm walking into Michael's. <laughs> <laughs> Eight mile, lose yourself. That's <laughs> uh, a classic. Um, yeah, no. If we do top five songs or anything, it has to be like some. It has to be more specific. Like it has to be a specific genre or a specific theme to it. Because I just can't do, you know. Just any old top five, but well, there you go. Top five songs of 2021 with your hosts Ao and Antino. And now for something completely different. So, I had a poll. You asked our guest what was his strangest food combinations that he enjoyed, and he said ketchup on a bunch of stuff. So I got the gears in my brain working and. I was like, why don't I just put a poll on the Instagram to see what other people's strange food combinations were. And I think you will be surprised. In no particular order. And I want your reactions to this, Aaron. Ice and milk. Ice and milk? Yeah, is that strange? No, I used to put uh, ice cubes in my cereal. Okay, that's so, strange. Yeah. yeah Jelly? It kept the milk cold. <laughs> Jelly and oatmeal. Jelly and oatmeal. I've never done that, but... I mean, you do sweeten your, your oatmeal with something, usually brown sugar or honey or something, so that's not completely shocking. So you'll try it. I would try it, yeah. Okay. Pasta and beans. Um, One of our listeners said it's controversial here in Brazil. Pasta and beans? 
I can't remember. Let me see. Pasta and beans. I mean, if you're broke, I would go for that. I would. I mean, directly together, no. But I think I have had pasta and beans in one meal before, like in one on a, on one plate. Mm-hmm. You know how you go to picnics and everyone brings everything, and I probably had like pasta salad on there and chicken, and then some beans and stuff like that. So I'm I'm sure I've had that on the same plate at one point but if you're talking about one dish made with pasta and beans then no i've never had that before yeah me either but it doesn't seem too bad doesn't it no i wouldn't I mean, like, a, be like a pasta, this is strange i don't know i'm thinking of like a pasta and bean salad maybe Ugh. okay someone this isn't this is more of a statement. It says those people who put ketchup on their eggs, I just can't. I've seen people do that before, but I do I'm that. Not, oh yeah, I I typically don't. Oh really? Mm-mm. What do you do? No, to only sweeten your eggs. Well, eggs should not be sweet, <laughs> so that's nasty. I will I I will put hot sauce on my eggs. Okay, but they shouldn't be sweet to me. That's weird. I like it. Actually, I make like a mixture of bacon, potatoes, eggs, and then I put ketchup on it. And it's all like smushy and greasy, just all smashed together. It is to die for. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) That trash will kill you. Maple syrup and bacon on vanilla ice cream. Sweet, salty. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I've never, again, I've never done that personally, but I can kind of see how that would be good because I actually had, I actually had a chocolate ice cream cake before with bacon in it. Yeah, I've seen like bacon donuts before. Yeah, and it's and that's the whole concept. It's the sweet and salty together, which is good. Yeah, people go a little crazy with their ventures in bacon, though. I agree. Okay, chocolate bar on bread and butter. A chocolate bar on bread and butter? No, that's, I wouldn't, no, that's weird. (laughs) Vanilla ice cream and tahine. Vanilla ice cream and what? Tahine. Tahini? Tahine. Tahine, I don't, what is tahine? Uh, Tahine is like a... Hispanic type of like a it's almost like salt. Here, I closed out of the window. I'm gonna take a screenshot of it, and I'm going to text it to you. Text it to a one eight hundred Aaron Orange. I think yeah, I don't. It's a seasoning. Oh, this, oh, okay. Got you. Another sweet Got and salty you. type thing? Okay, and so you said this on what again? Vanilla ice cream. Okay. Yeah, I've seen someone do this before. I'm trying to think of who. I don't know if it was Danny. Who have I seen do this? I have seen people put this on there. I didn't realize what it was until I saw it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I recognize that. Was it Danny? Somebody. I don't know. I don't remember who it was, but it was someone here in Tucson. I've seen do that before. Weird. And it just it just seems interesting to say the least. Okay. Then there's a peanut butter sandwich sandwich with pickles. 
Hmm. Okay. So I've actually <laughs> had this before. You is, have. I have, and it is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Terrible. So one of my workmates was like, have you ever had a, a peanut butter and pickle sandwich? You already know how she looked. I don't even have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you know she was short and blonde. And so she was like, you never have pe- peanut butter and pickles? I was like, no, why would anyone eat that? She's like, oh, yeah, you got to have it on Wonder Bread. I'm like, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you haven't had it. I have to, I'm going to make you one and bring it to work. I said, okay. And then I thought she would forget about it. But lo and behold, she remembered she brought a peanut butter and pickle sandwich to work. I said, all right, well, I asked for it. I'll take half. So she cut it in half and gave it to me. And yeah, it was one of the most disgusting things I ever had. And she was just chowing down on like, oh, Uh, when we were kids, we didn't have much to eat in the house. And we used to eat this. I'm like, please, that is disgusting. I'm like, we didn't have a lot to eat either, but we could come up with something better than this. At least put bananas (laughs) in it instead. No. So out of these eight, oh, wait, there was one more. Here, wait. Someone responded late, and they said, I have one other gross food combo. I don't do this, but I worked with a guy who did this. He mixed mayo with linguine and called it a poor man's Alfredo sauce. Also disgusting. (laughs) So not counting that one, but out of all those eight, which one do you think was... Because people voted on it. Which one do you think was objectively the strangest combination? Mm, I mean, to me, the peanut butter and pickles is partially because I actually tried it. And and I know from experience that that is an an abomination that should not exist. It's a disgrace to humanity. Yeah. So I don't know. I would say that one. That's the nastiest one to me. (laughs) Well, you're right. That one won. The uh, pickles and peanut butter jelly or peanut butter sandwich. It's funny because my friend Danny also said he'd heard of that too, and I have never ever heard of such a thing. Granted, I'd never heard of a chocolate bar on bread and butter either. Yeah, that's that, that's nasty too. But um, but but at least when that um, one has a chocolate bar in it, which is at least some much of a, a little bit of a redeeming quality, I think. I mean, the way I think of it, if you toast some bread and put some butter on it and you melt chocolate on top of it, I mean, that's, you know. It's almost I like Nutella. See, yeah, yeah. I can I can somehow see how you can get away with that. But peanut butter and pickles? No, no. That should not exist. But I, I like I told you, I described exactly who gave that to me. So if that gives you some idea where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's complete like desperation right there. There you go. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> we didn't have nothing to eat, so we had to... Well, if you didn't have nothing to eat, you can eat the pickles, right? <laughs> and separately. And then later on, come back and get you some peanut butter and bread. You know, <laughs> you don't have... You didn't have to eat them together. So there's no excuse for that. Well, there you go. That was the winner, the contestant winner of our social experiment um that was the most voted out of all the votes 
And I'm trying to see what second place was, actually. I think that should be the name of the episode. No. <laughs> I don't think anybody would peanut click butter. on it. They're just peanut like, butter. what are no, these guys seriously. up to? I think this episode should be called Peanut Butter and Pickles. <laughs> peanut Butter and Pickles. Yes. With, a side of, with a side of well blubber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Peanut Butter, Pickles, and a side of well. I'll pass. I'll pass I'll on pass. that seafood. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Well, there you go. This has been two Crazy Scoops podcast. Your hosts, Ao and Antino. Next week, I am finally, with full confidence, going to say we're going to have the episode with the car guys and the... Uh, controller air traffic controller mm-hmm. and it's uh i had a fun time recording it aaron had a good time recording it and i think you might learn a thing or two just like i did and also they answered the questions that the audience asked which they probably forgot they even asked it because it's been such a long time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's been a few months since we recorded the episode but it's kind of cool to go back to it so i think people will enjoy it yep so thanks for uh, thanks for participating. Thanks for giving us the suggestions, and thank you for listening. And I hope you have a great day, or whatever's left of it. We'll keep you in the loop, cause it's two crazy scoops, two crazy scoops, two crazy scoops, two crazy scoops, two crazy scoops. Two crazy scoops.